Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Hey, a quick, quick important announcement. We ran out of the gift bags for our kids up front here, but we have plenty more. After worship, if your child didn't get one, just stop at the sound booth. We'll have one available for them to take home. Sorry about that. Good problem, though. Happy Easter, everybody. Praise God for a Savior who's conquered the grave. And, you know, I, we're going to get to something about that, but before I do, I just want to find out how many of you are NBA basketball fans? Anybody here? Is there anyone left in Detroit? Um, you know, and the stadium's closed now. I mean, it was kind of a big news week. But anyway, um, I, earned, I learned this. I'm not an NBA fan, don't know a lot about it, but a few guys uh, around church here were talking about really a significant thing that happened this year in the NBA and really just a few weeks ago. Uh, it was what was known as a record uh, called a triple-double. And, and those of you who follow basketball maybe know about this. A guy by the name of, of Russell Westbrook, who plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder, broke a record that most people thought would never, ever, 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 ever be broken. It would be impossible to break. In fact, it was a record that has stood uh, and, and stood the test of time since 1962, 63, and, and here's what a triple-double is. Um, you know, they keep track of statistics in basketball, and three major statistics, um, scoring, right, and, and as well as uh, rebounds, and the third one is assists in scoring. So you pass to somebody who then scores. Well, those three statistics are kind of the triple statistic of any player, and it just so happened Russell, uh, this past year, Russell, uh, he did this. It's an incredible thing. Um, he not only did triples in every game, but he did tri double triples or double, triple doubles, which means that he went into the double digits in every category, not just a few times, even doing it once is a really big deal, but he went into double digits in all three categories for 42 different games. In fact, his final game, this was amazing, he scored over 40 points and or 50 points rather, 16 rebounds and 10 assists in his final game that actually knocked uh, Denver Nuggets out of contention in the playoffs. This is a really big deal. Some of you are like rolling your eyes saying, I don't really care. It's all right. But it's a really big deal, they tell me, and I roll my eyes at it too, like, okay, so what? But they thought it would never be done. It broke a record. And, and that's pretty amazing. And, and now think about this. Made me think, what other records are out there to be broken. Um, did you know this? There is a, a club known as the International World Record-Breaking Club. This truly exists. It's existed since 1988, was formed in Leipzig, Germany, and the only condition to being a member of the club is you have to hold or have broken a world record. Uh, here's some examples of the profound things that people have been able to achieve in, in recent years. Uh, for instance, Christian Adam of Germany, he holds the world record for this. He, he, he holds the record for bicycling backwards, and, and that's kind of impressive in itself, but his record is bicycling backwards while playing a violin, okay? And uh, he did this to get the world record for over 37 miles. Yes, you too can break the world record if you're willing to practice. Um, how about Holger Freeland of Switzerland? Uh, he's also a member of this club, he holds a record for domino stacking. 
Um, you ever stack domino, nomin- and I don't mean like the kind where you, you set them up and then you hit them and they chain reaction fall. No, this is taking dominoes and stacking them on one another, but not on the, the big side, on the skinny side. And, and how many would you guess you could sca- stack up? Uh, well, to break the world record, you would have to stack more than 324. Uh, whoa. I mean, that, that, that's life-changing, isn't it? Wow. Um, you got Adrian Hilton of Great Britain, also a member of the club. Adrian uh, did a nonstop recital of the works of Shakespeare. Um, it, it took him only 110 hours and 46 minutes, basically uh, over five days nonstop. He didn't sleep. That's kind of key. Uh, you you got to drink a lot of Red Bull along the way or five-hour energy. How many five hours would that be? I don't know. That's a lot. But he did it, and uh, as a result, he's in the club. Or, or how about this one? Um, Lee Stewart of Australia, Australia achieved eligibility on November 25th in 1998 uh, after a 16-year project of typing out all of the numbers from one to one million, and he did so in words, not in numbers. And he did so on a manual typewriter. Took him 16 years. And uh, he holds the world's record for this. They asked him why he did it, and his response was, I didn't have much else to do, and besides, I enjoy typing. <laughs> um, wow. And, but here's my favorite, and I leave you with this one. Uh, Reverend Donald, or Dr. Donald Thomas, uh, here in the United States, is the world record holder for the longest sermon. And you ready for this? 93 hours. And, and here's the deal. Pastor Steve and I do not want to receive any more flack that we preach too long. Okay? <laughs> it could always be worse. And not only that, we could invite this guy to be a guest speaker next time. Right? 93 hours. Wow. Um, I'm not sure any of this is really helpful. You know what I mean? I mean, imagine how long you would have to practice. Imagine all the effort involved in learning how to do some of these things, not to mention execute them and do so in a way that you are now the holder of the world record and be part of a club. Is it really worth it? And, and you might say, you know, it really isn't. I mean, are you kidding me? It makes maybe a nice YouTube video or something to post on social media. But does it really, really at the end of the day, at the end of a life, really matter all that much. And, and, you know, I just wish, I wish that kind of thing were only found in these kind of statistics. Because in my experience, a lot of people are living in the same kind of ways, pouring out energy into things that really don't matter. They're investing their lives, saying, this is what I'm all about. And, and the question we got to ask ourselves today, if that's what we're all about, is it really significant? Does it really matter what our life's pursuit is? What is yours? The reason I ask that is, you know, God's word is kind of clear on this. The book of Ecclesiastes, known as a book of of lamenting and wisdom, has this to say about pursuits in life. It says, you know, many people are chasing after wind. It's kind of like, have you ever tried chasing wind? You you chase after it and it's, it's just always one step away. It's always out of reach, out of grasp. I mean, what is your life pursuit? Is it real? Does it really matter? And at the end of your life, will it amount to anything? Proverbs 14, 12 says it like this. There is a way that seems right to men and women, 
but in the end it only leads to death. And this is a little more serious, but reminds us that there are things in life that we can think are really good and really right and, and really important and, and, and really exciting, and at the end of it, if it's not of God, it, it isn't really worth anything and it only leads to death. It kind of gets my attention today. I don't want to pursue something in life that doesn't matter. I, I don't think you do either. Or as Jesus would say, you know, to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit our soul. What really matters? And what are you pursuing today? The Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament about what drove him, what became his life pursuit. In fact, there was a time in his life where what drove him was this desire to appear to other people to be very impressive and, and, and as part of his calling in life. So he thought what was really what made him important was to be really religious. And, and for a lot of us, that sounds right. Yeah, I want to be a religious person. I mean, you're in church on Sunday, Easter Sunday. I mean, you could be eating right now. I mean, all the things you could be doing. And, and, and Paul was driven to be religious. But unfortunately, in the wrong ways. His religion was one of trying to impress people, trying to check off all the check marks and check boxes of, I did this, I did this, I did this for God. Aren't I a good person? Look what I've done. I am better than other people who aren't like me. And his life was one of judgment and one of self-righteousness. Paul writes about this earlier in Philippians in chapter 3, and he says this, that it's rubbish. Uh, in fact, he says he realized that not only is it rubbish, the word he uses, he says it's like a, a big pile of manure. He said, because I realized it's pointless, it's worthless, compared to something even greater. And this is what I want to put up on you. Put on the screen. Read this with me. This is what drives Paul. This is what gives him passion in life. This is his focus and goal in life. And here it is. Read it with me. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Say it again. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Seems so simple until we start to realize what Paul is saying is he doesn't want to just know about it or know some information about Jesus and be, oh, that's interesting. No, what Paul is saying is I want to know completely, fully, have a relationship with the one who has died for me and rose for me. The power of the resurrection that changes life as we know it. Do you believe me on that? Some of you probably think, I'm eh, just skeptical. You're here because your family made you come. Let's be honest. And, and you're like, this is really a nice thing. Everybody seems to be enjoying themselves. But really, come on, at the end of the day, really, this is a life goal? Don't believe me? Think about history. Think about those who have lived lives like this, who, who have said, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Has changed our world in many ways. I think about people like uh, Wilberforce who, who ends slavery in England because he says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Somebody like my, Martin Luther King Jr., who as a pastor and a man of God says, I want to end this ridiculous thing called racism and to do it because I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. You think of people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer during the days of, of the Holocaust as, as one standing in the trenches of persecution, standing up against Hitler, and is put to death for it as one who says, I want to know Christ in the power of the resurrection. 
Think about in, in our nation and in, in the ways that, that that direction has moved and changed things for the better. You ever notice how hospitals generally have an interesting name that seems to be faith-based? Do you know that's not an accident? Because hospitals were formed by churches. People who said, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and make a compassionate difference in the lives of people. Do you know that universities, every one of them early on when they were founded in our nation, were started for the same reason? Uh, in fact, this, I find this one kind of interesting. Uh, if you look at Harvard University, this was their, their mission statement early on when they started. This is going to blow you away. This is what it said in their student handbook. To know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. People, and I know it's secular today, but in its beginnings, people who realized knowledge and growth and opportunities to live life to the full all starts here. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. The biggest relief organization in the world is called the Red Cross. Accident? Not at all. It started in, in relationship to this. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the compassion of Christ to make a difference for people who are suffering, who have suffered tragedy. It makes a difference. But if you still don't believe me, you might wonder, but how can it make a difference for you? Well, some examples I want to give you of what this truth brings us today. And as Paul declares it, as the one who has conquered death for him. And that realization that all of those efforts to try and become good and do great things for God and, and try to become a good person, he realized at the end of the day, nothing but failure because only one thing would be possible in order to gain that or earn it, and that would be perfection. And Paul realized he is a broken, sinful man in need of grace and forgiveness and in need of a God who comes near to us. As he says, forgetting what is behind and striving ahead for what is ahead. I want to lay a hold of that which Christ has taken a hold in me by the power of the resurrection and his power over my life that conquers sin, that conquers the grave. You know, by the way, that's like one of the most amazing proofs for the existence of God. And, and again, if you're a skeptic, I, I encourage you, research it. You, you may say, oh, there's no proof for the resurrection. You know how many thousands of people throughout the centuries have come to faith as skeptics and, and intellectuals when they looked at the proof for the resurrection, not just in Scripture, and, and the hours and hours of eyewitness testimony of those if they were lined up in the court of law, but also those who, outside of the Bible, who have testified to these events that we read and celebrate today. Uh, it really happened. And a God who conquers death, what else is possible for that kind of God? A God who then gives purpose in your life today, who reminds you you are not alone in your struggle, that in the, the battle in, in our health or battle in our world or, or the brokenness of relationships, that our God comes near and he says, I can resurrect you right there too to bring power and strength and purpose and understanding you are not alone and your life has meaning. You know, I suppose you could spend your life trying to stack dominoes, but why? <laughs> I suppose you could practice and try to figure out how to ride your bike backwards and play a violin, but really? Why? I don't know about you, but I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection today. And the great news is our Savior 
has made it so. Christ is risen. He is risen we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for conquering the grave. Thank you for being the one who is resurrected. And thank you, Lord, for giving us something to focus on in this world that truly lasts, that will not fade away or spoil, that stands up for eternity as you've called us by name as yours into eternity. We praise you in your presence today on this Easter Sunday and every day. In Jesus' name, we want to know Christ in the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.